Hi there, this is Mike Stedham, and welcome back to Sunday School. This week, we're going to be looking at some of the most famous writing by the Apostle Paul. Last week, uh, this series of lessons began with a lesson on encounters, and the first encounter that we talked about was the encounter that Paul had on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared before him and convinced him that he should be working for and not against the Christians and the church of the early days. Well, today we're going to be looking at perhaps the most influential book that Paul ever wrote. It's the letter to the Romans. Now, the letter to Romans is somewhat unique among the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, first, uh, that it was written to a church where Paul had never been. Most of Paul's letters are very personal items. They're written to churches where he has spent some time. Quite often, he was the person who came to town and helped establish that particular congregation. And generally, his letters are full of personal references, comments to specific people. And he seems to be very familiar in most of those cases with the issues, with the things that are being discussed in those churches. In the book to the Romans, Paul has not been to Rome before. Now, in the beginning of the book, he talks about how he would like to go there and how he had meant to go there, but how circumstances had kept him away from there. Scholars, for the most part, believe that Paul's journey to Rome uh, as a prisoner to Rome was probably the last journey he ever took. And after he had spent about three years there as a, under house, house arrest, as a house prisoner, that he was probably executed. Although his intention when he went to Rome was to continue and go even farther west, even into the areas of Spain. And some traditions do actually have him making it that far. But that's what makes Romans an interesting book, because he really is not as personal in this book. He doesn't talk about the issues that were particular to this uh, church in the city of Rome, but he does talk a whole lot about the larger issues of Christianity. It's one of the reasons why the book of Romans, his longest epistle, is so influential, because he really gets into many of the issues uh, that he uh, is going to talk about, that he did talk about during his other uh, epistles as well. So we're going to begin looking today in the very first chapter of the book of Romans. And some people look at the two verses we're going to start with today as a summation of the theme of the book of Romans. It's the first chapter of the book, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It's kind of odd to think about Paul being ashamed of the gospel. It's quite possible that what Paul is using here is understatement. It's a literary device where you understate something. Uh, if I say something like, well, I don't dislike chocolate. Uh, that's just a way of telling you how much I really do love chocolate. So that's a possible way of, of looking at it. So when he says he's not ashamed of the gospel, he's actually quite proud of the message itself. Uh, not a personal pride, not a vanity, but something that he obviously is giving his life to. Now the word gospel we're familiar with is the, the meaning of the word gospel, good news, we normally apply it to the first four books of the New Testament, but 
the message that God has given to us through Jesus, the entire message, which is amplified on by Paul's epistles and some of the other books in the New Testament, all that put together presents the good news. And Paul here is not limiting himself to just those first four books of the New Testament, but he's talking about the power of God for salvation. Now, salvation is really going to be the focus of this week's lesson. What does it mean to be saved? What is the salvation that he's talking about? Well, we'll get to that when we get uh, to another chapter. But right now, let's look at the way he gives us the message, the way the, the message was revealed. First to the Jew, then for the Gentile. Now, uh, as I look at this, I believe that what Paul was probably talking about was a matter of time. Jesus came and his first disciples were in the, the realm of the Jewish world. I mean, he uh, was born near Jerusalem. He was raised in the Jewish communities around Galilee, came back, and much of his time was spent with his fellow Jews. Now, this summer, as we looked at a number of our Sunday school lessons, we saw the encounters that Jesus had with the Samaritans, with some Gentiles. But for the most part, the characters that Jesus is going to deal with, most of his early followers, are all Jews because, again, he's the Messiah. He was the promised teacher who was going to come to the Jews. So in terms of time, that's really, I think, what Paul's talking about. Then for the Gentile. Now, Paul is a man of two worlds. He was, of course, Jewish himself, and he was taught the Old Testament, the Jewish, the uh, Hebrew Bible, very well. But he was born in Tarsus, a Roman city. He had Roman citizenship. In fact, that's why he was taken to Rome to be tried, because unlike the uh, first uh, 12 apostles, he was a Roman citizen. So he had a special way of getting into the Gentile world. And also, he wrote very excellent Greek, and he was a part of that world as well. So religiously, he comes from the Jewish world, but culturally, in terms of language and influence, he's also very much a part of the Roman world, uh, very much influenced by the Greek culture, and certainly uh, could speak to the Gentiles in a language, in a way that they would understand. The gospel is a righteousness from God, a setting of things right, to put things back in the order that they should be. Remember the basic uh, line in the Hebrew Bible is that humans were created sinless. Humans were created to spend time with God, to be in a close relationship. That relationship, of course, was spoiled by the sinful nature of humans. And then throughout the rest of the Hebrew Bible, we see that God is going to attempt to reconcile or bring humans back into that same uh, kind of relationship that they had before. So the kind of salvation that we're talking about here really is going to be shown to us that way. So we see that uh, as Paul is bringing us back to all of this, he's talking about salvation as righteousness. Righteousness has always been a major theme with Paul. Now we're going to be looking at the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and in this we're going to talk more about this concept of salvation that he has mentioned in the first chapter, the message of the gospel, which is going to bring us salvation. Now, I was raised in a very evangelical tradition, and every Sunday the preacher would talk about salvation, salvation from 
eternal damnation, salvation from the, the very terrible things that happened to people who were full of sin. Uh, if you've ever read Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, it's one of those great puritanical sermons uh, preached uh, at the beginning of the American colonial days in which the listener, the reader, is supposed to be convinced of the very terrible things that are going to happen if that person does not renounce sin. And in the evangelical tradition, the people are reminded of this pretty much on a daily or weekly basis. And the end of many religious services, people were expected to renounce the evil and go back to the good ways again. Uh, well, that kind of salvation is certainly something that Paul is aware of and certainly makes reference to. But I think if we look at this, we might actually see a deeper meaning of salvation as a form of righteousness. Again, that's that word again that Paul goes to, of being put right with God. In the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, in verse 6, he talks more about how this relationship comes to Christians. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Paul is of the opinion that in order for there to be forgiveness, there has to be the shedding of blood, there has to be a sacrifice. This comes from his background, his Jewish heritage, where they had the animal sacrifices as a major part of the redemption story. But in the story that Paul is telling, there's going to have to be an even greater sacrifice. Now, it's true that in order to give up your life for somebody, to believe in somebody or something so strongly, it has to be something that would really uh, be worth doing. And he says that uh, in the human terms, that most of us would not be willing to give up our lives for just anybody. And in some few occasions, but the real act of sacrifice, the real act of love here, is what God has provided for the Christian through the death of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus, then, is the revelation, it's the culmination of what God is offering to humanity. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, in preparation to make this salvation possible for us. Verse 9, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So, the death of Jesus is what has put us into this uh, saved position, this saved place. But there's more to this. For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And this is the reconciliation, this is the righteousness that he mentioned earlier, the thing that's going to put us back on track, to put us into this direct relationship with God, which had been impossible because of the sinfulness of human beings. This is one of the great themes of all of Paul's epistles, and he again puts it probably most clearly in the book of Romans because he sat down to sort of put this in a systematic way for us to understand. It's more than the salvation from the bad things that might happen, but it's the reconciliation for a new life which is going to be possible, a new life that's going to be possible in the 
through the justification, through the righteousness that God is offering us. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So this, again, one of the big themes in the, the epistles of the book of Paul, the idea of reconciliation. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for the letters that Paul wrote to the early church, for the message he gave to them and also gives to us today about your righteousness, about your love, and about your forgiveness. Help us this week to show these attributes to those around us. In Christ's name, amen.